This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Hello, my sinners, party people in the house. What is up? My name is Shane. Welcome to my podcast, the one, the only lead singer syndrome. I am your host, as always, and today's just been a great day. Monday, day off, a classic day off, because bands don't typically play shows on Monday. That's what we do. Monday's our day off. So, you know, there's there's a no effect song called Thank God It's Monday. Well, that's that's what this is about. I am in Medford, Oregon. We parked up at a Hampton Inn. There's a mall across the highway. I walked over there. The mall had a freaking Sam Goody. Sam Goody still exists in 2019. If you go to Medford, Oregon, and you go to the... It's called like the Rogue Mall or something. like. It's kind of a badass name. Um, go over there. Check out the Sam Goody. They got all your Funko Pops or whatever you need. But hey, great day. Just, just everything is just firing on all cylinders. I'm on tour right now with my band Silverstein. We got three shows left of a tour that started in early November, and we're still going here. Early November. Shout out to Ace Enders, a guy we should get on the podcast. But regardless, it's been going for quite a long time, and it's finally coming to its conclusion. We got three more shows. Berkeley, California, which is sold out. San Diego, which is getting close. So if you're in San Diego, get tickets. And we finish off in one of my favorite cities in the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. It's going to be incredible. So yes, it has been quite a run. And uh, it's been it's been a challenge keeping this podcast going because, you know, it's hard on the road. And, and I still, you know, make time to talk to people like my guest today. Zach of Fiddler, an amazing band, an amazing person, amazing personality, a guy that I've wanted to have on the show for a very long time. I thought maybe Fiddler was like too cool or something. I don't know what it was. I just, I don't know. When I'm a fan of a band, it can be harder, you know? I just, I don't know. But I love this band. I love this guy. And I'm so excited for this week's episode. Yes, it's a great one. And uh, But anyway, yeah, things have been pretty crazy the last few months, and after these three shows, I'm going home, I'm going to get in full podcast mode, we're going to have some amazing guests coming up as well, and if you are a member of the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club, which I know some of you listening are, we're 300 strong, you're in for a treat, because we're going to do a whole bunch of really cool stuff for the club. If you're not a member of the club, check it out. LeadSingerSyndrome.com slash 
all access for as little as $6 a month. That gets you in to all the bonus episodes we've done with all sorts of cool guests. But the best part is the community. And shout out to all the new members. There are so many. And the old members, of course. Cinderfest, it's happening. Norfolk, Virginia, 420. We're having a party. I will be there. We'll all be there. It's going to be great. So, hey, just check out the All Access Club because it is completely worth your time, your money. And, of course, if you want to support this show, it is absolutely the best way. Yeah, I got a birthday coming up in a couple weeks. That's cool. I'm going to be 38 years old. That blows my mind. And, yeah, I'm going to post a little link for if you want to get me some stuff on Amazon because that is very, very cool. But that's not what I'm about. I am about the All Access Club, so check that out again. The link LeadSingerSyndrome.com slash All Access. I also have to give a huge shout out to Rockabilia.com. I finally got to go to the HQ, the headquarters in beautiful Minnesota. They, man, what a cool place, man. Their warehouse is huge. <laughs> like, we walked in and it was like, oh my God, there's so much stuff in here. Wait, that is like an eighth of what they have and we kept going in just like room after room after room of you know t-shirts stacked up to like a 16 20 foot high ceiling it was crazy and i gotta give a big shout out to frankie over at rockabilia.com because uh, he hooked me up with all kinds of cool merchandise i got all kinds of stuff everything from from a tom petty shirt to black flag to propagandi I got this insane Defeater Detroit hat because I live like right by Detroit. So super, super cool stuff. And that's all available over at rockabilia.com. This isn't even a commercial. I'm just talking about how sweet they are. Uh, and, and what was really cool too is, you know, we're celebrating 15 years of our first album when Broken is Easily Fixed. They were nice enough to make us a cake. Beautifully decorated cake. And uh, that was just so sweet of them. So really nice of them. You know, just for everything they've done for this show, for the podcast community. So, you know, if you're a fan of the show, if you're a fan of podcasts, and if you're a fan of just great band merch, head over to rockabilia.com, use promo code PCJabberJaw and save 10% off your entire order today. Thank you, Frankie. Love you. Thank you for all the love. All right. Well, we got a great episode. I think it's time. Let's jump into it with a guy that I don't want to say he's lucky to be alive, but his story is crazy. I think if you were taking bets a few years ago about members you could add to the 27 Club, you know the 27 Club, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, etc., you probably would have been pretty confident to add this guy's name to the list as sad as it is. But here he is, and it is just great to see Zach doing so well. So here it is. Here's my conversation with Zach Carper of Fiddler. Is that Zach? Hi. How you doing? Uh, I'm fantastic. How about yourself? Living the dream. Living the dream. Well, I mean, sort of, you know. Hey, uh, new record coming out on Friday. It's been a long wait. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> maybe, not for, maybe not for you anymore. Well, I mean, you've no, been sitting I on these songs a while. I am excited. It's just like, uh, you know... It's it's like you spend all this time making a record and then you turn it in and then they're like, awesome, we're going to put this out in like eight months. And you're like, fuck. Yeah, I, I, totally, man. And, and like, yeah. yeah, I was, you know, I was looking up some stuff about you and your band and shit, you know, getting prepared for this thing. And uh, yeah, like you're talking about 
this record literally last summer. I know. And and it's I like, know. yeah, it's crazy. I mean, is that is that just you chalk that up just to the fucking music industry? Um, I guess that's all it is, right? It's just the way it is these days. Yeah, I think a little bit of that is true. You know, it's like. I, I think the way that we made this record was a lot different too. It's like we, we didn't just go into a studio and uh, um, you know for six weeks and then like crank out a record. It took like we did a couple weeks here, we did a couple days yeah. here, we did a couple because in this meantime we're still touring. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like uh, try we're trying to figure out a way to tour and record a record, but it just took us longer. <laughs> Totally, totally. And I mean, is that that's the first time you've made a record that way, I guess, with Fiddler, right? So, I mean, that approach is different creatively, right? Because you kind of got to, let's say you're in the studio just between tours for like a week or something, right? It's like you're trying to harness some creative spirit of that moment. It isn't like when you go into a studio for, and you're like, all right, this is the record. Then the whole record will have a certain tone. It's like, did you find that the the record has a bit more, I don't want to say piecemeal, but like it's a little more all over the place when you're writing and recording that way? Yeah, 100%. It's yeah. like the, the guitar tones are different, you know? I mean, like it's... Sure. It's Everything's different. The drum tones, like it's... We try to give like a whole overall like sound of it, you know, but... I mean, honestly, like a lot of this stuff was recorded on our laptops. Some of this was made like on a flight on our laptops. You know what I mean? So, sure, of course, it's just whatever. Uh, you you were in you were you were in Silverstein, right? I am in Silverstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're in. So you understand. You you guys have been a band for a while, and you guys understand. <laughs> yes. Like yes. you guys got to make a record, then you got to tour it, then you got to you know do the whole whole shebang. You know what I'm saying? It's like. Oh. The one thing I've noticed from like right now, like pop music and hip hop, you know, it's like they put the overhead is so low, you know, like they can just do records in their bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like I it made me kind of go like we have to figure out how to do that. But with our version of it, you know. No, absolutely, absolutely no. But I mean, I from from my perspective, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could be like, all right, you're you're like you're in Europe on this day, and you got to be like on a U.S. tour on this day. All right, we got like two weeks, so we're gonna get you in the studio. Like, I I don't know if I can could do that personally. Yeah, like I don't like like find the energy or creativity or anything, you know, to to be able to you know shit out something half decent nice. but it seems well, like for you guys it's, it sometimes works sometimes it's not half decent you know what I'm saying so, <laughs> sometimes it's right on that border no no absolutely but I mean it's true though like when you're talking about rock bands and even something like recording drums you can't do that in a bedroom well I mean you could but I wouldn't recommend it yeah you, you know what I mean when you're putting out a, a real record you gotta go to a real studio to, to you know record drums or, or things like that have to happen and there is a higher overhead like you say and time management that goes into that and stuff too um, but from the songs I've heard from this record it's there does seem to be like a little bit of a lo-fi bedroom vibe on some stuff yeah because there is like it's literally so, so, like some of the songs are voice memos and I'll send it to oh, the yeah. guy. There'll be like a, you know, a 20 second, like a chorus idea, you know, or, yeah, or yeah. like an intro and be like, Oh, here's an idea. And then like the producer was like, let's just use this, bro. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. You know? Wow. That's, so, yeah, that's really, that's really, it's cool. kind of just like looking at it in a, in a, different way than what we're used to you know um yeah it's coming from the rock world absolutely at the rock world yes which is what we're in somehow yeah uh, dude well dude thanks for taking the time to do this man i uh i really if you don't mind i'd love to get the full picture here and start from the beginning of what has been documented as like a pretty crazy life for you I don't really know much else about that except that you're born in Hawaii and here you are now and you've had some major issues with substances. Um, and, and that's what it seems like people want to talk about. But I kind of want to go a little bit deeper than that, if you don't mind. 
Um, no problem. Can we start Ther- from the beginning? Therapize me, bro. Therapize me. This is like, pod, right. pod, yeah, podcasts are like, you know, free form of therapy. Well, that's the, that's the beautiful <laughs> thing. I'm, I'm glad you think that, man. Yeah, there you go. I, yeah, I grew up in Hawaii. Uh, on which island? I grew up in, uh, I was born on Hilo and then grew up in uh, Oahu, like the North Shore. My dad was a surfboard mm-hmm. shaper. Um, yeah. Pretty out there, dude. And uh, my mom was like flew in from Japan with my sister, you know? So it's like, she didn't even speak English. <laughs> like they wow. got together and, um, I guess our house burnt down in a volcano uh, before I was born. <laughs> so we wow. moved to Oahu and we were like living in a van, you know, just the whole kind of surf bum life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my dad started his business, which was like surfboard shaping, and he's like making surfboards. And yeah, so it's just, it was kind of like, you know, as much as I like like to think about it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is just like a normal life. But my band members and my friends were like, you have not had a normal life at all, dude. Like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Um, well, it's so, normal yeah. for you because it's the only one you've had. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and then, um, you know, um, like, growing up in Hawaii is just such a different place than, like, America, or we call it just the mainland. Yeah, of course. Um, It's just, like, island life, you know? Like, uh, actually, you're you're Canadian. Um, Yes, I am. We just, we went to Tofino last year. Uh, like okay. and i was like yeah this kind of reminds me of it It just looks like narnia instead of you know tropical <laughs> right right absolutely well well so i mean there's a lot of isolation that takes place in that environment um did you have any brothers and sisters or anything like that yeah i had an older sister um she's kind of taught me everything about music you know as well as like her always always her like ex or her boyfriends <laughs> would show me like yo check out this genre called ska check out you know punk right. music because it's like you know uh the closest record store was walmart you know um <laughs> yeah. like it's I, I i was in the middle of nowhere but i feel like california punk culture i mean at least today is very prevalent in hawaii you know like it's it's that surf skate sort of culture has has definitely made its way over there yeah, it's uh, it's from surf videos. Right. So that's mainly how I like discovered skate videos and surf videos was how I discovered like punk music. And that and was when did you decide? Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, that was just, just like the once I first I remember it was like the four one one videos. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I was like the first time I heard the Pixies, Sonic Youth, Dinosaur Junior. I was just like, this is sick. Where can I find this? And they were like, go to Walmart. I'm like. No, we don't have that shit, dude. We got Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, I'll take that. That's crazy. So when did you decide, okay, I'm going to pick up a guitar or I'm going to try to, you know, play some kind of music on my own? How old were you when you started doing that? I was pretty young. I played piano at first, you know, um, and uh, like ever since I was a kid. And, um, yeah, like, I picked up a guitar, but it wasn't like, I didn't want, I was just kind of always obsessed with just like writing songs, you know? I think like it wasn't really about like learning how to shred per se, you know? It's like, I couldn't really do that. Like, um, so I would just kind of like sit there and like, like just one string, you know? And just like kind of hum little ideas. And then, um, the computer came into my life and that kind of changed yeah. everything for me where it was like, Oh, I can make a song by myself, you know? And that was like, I mean, I got so invested into that and just dove straight into that, like head first. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I guess like there's, there's two different kinds of musicians if you want to really boil it down, right? There's people that are songwriters and there's people that are players. And, for me, like my playing was really only ever as good as what the vehicle needed to be so I could write a song. 
You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay, I can write a song on one string. That's cool. Oh, wait, this is a power chord. I can move this all over the guitar neck, and I can write, like, actual yeah. songs. Okay, but but for me, like, shredding, you know, never equated into songwriting. So that was never yeah. something that I really wanted to do or really had to drive to. It was like, okay, what's the next thing that can help me write a song? And that's interesting because exactly. I I think the computer is the next logical step, right? One string, power chords, then it's like, oh shit, this is like, if you were playing checkers before, now you're playing chess, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. And that's, that's a really cool thing. So what, what early programs were you using? Like, oh, this man. is obviously before GarageBand existed, right? Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, it was PC computer with, uh, I think my first one was Sonar. I think that oh, was yeah, the yeah, first yeah. doll I used was Sonar. Um, and then Fruity Loops, you know, like to oh, get the Fruity drum Loops beats and stuff like that. Yeah, Such a good Fruity program. Loops. Now you can record audio in Fruity Loops, which just blows my mind. I, I, yeah, I kind of want to get into it. It's just like I'm scared, you know? <laughs> I downloaded it because they, they make it for Mac now or whatever. So I, I downloaded it. It feels like about a year ago, maybe. And I yeah. haven't really opened it since. But it's, yeah. it's something I definitely want to try to fuck around with. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, that's crazy, man. So, so I guess like, I don't know. Were you, were you kind of when you discovered this whole type of thing? Did you become a bit of a loner, a bit of a recluse? Um, oh, like you're going on. to school at this point. Were, did, did you? What kind of kid were you in school? Like, what was that like? You know, your your upbringing. I I was like, I mean, you know, um, I was in a very like surf culture town, you know, and I love to surf. I just didn't like the, the, the broiness of it, you know, yeah, like yeah. I, I, nothing wrong with the broiness of it. It's just like, I didn't really connect to it. I liked like, you know, I was the arty art kid, you know, for some reason, I don't know why I was screwed up, you know, and, <laughs> like just was always like searching for like new music and new cool little weird things. Um, so once that I figured out like, Oh, the computer and like recording stuff, I just like full on just all day, every day was behind a computer trying to make music, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I kind of like, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people in on the mainland, you know, they live in like places that are really cold or rainy. They're inside all the time, you know? But yeah. for me, it was like super sunny outside <laughs> and like the beach was always there, you know, and I'm just like in my room making music, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of what I did. Did you end up keeping all those old recordings you made when you were a kid? Does any of it, Dude, exist? you know, you know, like, man, it's so funny that you asked that because it's like, I, I've been thinking about it. And I'm like, you know how like tape, like, goes away after a while, you know, it like, like loses its value, kind of yeah, gets all crummy sure. and stuff like that. Hard drives yeah. are the same fucking thing, man. Hard drives, yeah. like, I'll, I tried plugging in my old hard drive, it's just like, nah, it just doesn't work. I'm just like, well, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, it's true, right? And I don't know if it's just because the, like, connectors get shitty or if the data is actually fucked up, you know? I yeah. But, but it's totally, it's like, yeah, even like an old computer, I... I found an old Mac and I know I have a bunch of old songs and ideas on there. So I'm like, Oh, well I got the charger. I, I just plug it in. It just doesn't even turn on. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, why why it's happened to me like three times already. I'm just like, man, like, is it, so, and that's like, was a big thing with us for Fiddler is because I knew that was, that was already happening to me when we started Fiddler. So yeah, any song that, um, I'd write or record, I, make a stupid video to it on uh, for YouTube. Upload it to YouTube and be like, yo, that's this hard drive ain't going anywhere. YouTube ain't going anywhere, you know? What I'm that's saying? true. So. Wow. Well, you know, now now there's hundreds of people trying to Google uh, your shitty YouTube videos so they can hear the least Fiddler shit, right? I know. Someone's doing it right now. Someone's going to have a, have a search party on there, man. That's funny. They'll never find it, though. Oh, hello? <laughs> I mean, what's going you got on? Me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I just heard a bunch of music. No. You got me. Yeah, 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 I can hear you now. Okay, cool, cool. I'm I'm up in Canada, Edmonton, and my service is not great here, so it's probably my oh, fault. Edmonton, Edmonton, yeah. man. That was uh, that was like the only time in Canada I felt weird. 
<laughs> it's a weird place, man. And, yeah, and, we, we know, stopped in like a Tim Hortons and like yeah. I was like like in the summer I get really like tan, you know, like really brown. And um I walked in and I'm just like chilling and my bass player comes up to me and he's like, Yo dude, I think we gotta get you out of here, bro. <laughs> and I was look he's like, What? And he's like like look around and I looked around and it's just all these like old trucker looking dudes just like staring at me. I'm like, what yeah. the fuck is going on? I couldn't never figure it out. And then I asked some Canadian people and they're like, looked at me and they said like, yeah, you look uh, like Native American. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, I guess they don't yeah. really like each other. Yeah, there's, you know, I always think of, because I'm Canadian, I always think that we're more progressive, you know, than Americans or whatever. I think that we're less racist and stuff. And then, I, you know, you go to towns you know, out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, not that Edmonton's out in the middle of nowhere, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And they have these kind of problems with, with like natives and, you know, the racism that goes into it. And, you know, a lot of problems with natives, like being incarcerated and stuff. Like it's, it's pretty crazy. So I could definitely see that happening. Yeah. Uh, it was weird. Yeah. It, it is. It is pretty weird, but yeah. Um, yeah have you ever been to Edmonton in the end of January? No, I bet it's I so haven't cold. seen the temperature, but it, it was in Winnipeg, in Winnipeg. It was minus thirty. So what? Yeah, Every dude. time I go to a place like that, I just like talk to people. I'm like, you guys know that there's other places to live, right? Like this is. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm well, from the opposite, man. I'm from Hawaii. Like, I'm from tropical. Like, I guarantee, if you come to Hawaii, you're going to complain about how hot and humid it is. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like that's what everybody no. does. So it's like, no. eh, it's just the way it is. No, exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, touching back still on your, you know, your upbringing, because this all still kind of ties into it, you know, and you say that I was a screw, you know, screwed up kid or whatever, and I was a weirdo, I was just into art, and I didn't really know. You did mention in some other interviews and stuff that you had, you know, some repressed memories of, you know, maybe abuse when you were a child, like that whole side of thing, you know. I guess you didn't really understand that until you were much older, what was going on? Yeah, I, I mean, I honestly didn't even realize it until, um, you know, I was a heroin addict for, like, for a couple of years of Fiddler, and um, when I got off of heroin, it started really, like, diving into, like, what's going on, you know what I mean? I couldn't right. figure out, like, I started using drugs at a very young age, and I couldn't figure out what was going on, you know, and yeah, there was some weird sexual abuse stuff happening to me as a kid, and it was just like, I didn't realize that that was the thing that was causing it, because it was just something that I totally blocked out, and I yeah. didn't know that that's a thing, like, I, you know, until I w started going to therapy, and they're like, oh yeah, like, people with trauma, like, they can just totally, like, forget something, you know? Um, so that's kind of been a process of, like, dealing with it. You know, and like, um, not, not like drugging myself anymore to just like yeah. get away from it. Because I mean, this is like, you know, being in a band is the weirdest. It's the only job in the world where like the person that hires you is like, all right, here's a bunch of alcohol and drugs. Like go do your job now. You know, it's <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know any other fucking job in the world that does that. Like there isn't, you know? No. Um, What's funny too is some bands like they'd be like, "Oh, you don't you don't drink, you don't do drugs." Oh, okay. Like you might not get hired. Yeah. Like oh, in yeah, certain yeah, situations because yeah. they want. Oh well, you know they know that the the culture that they're in is a, a, an abusive one. You know, um, and they don't want somebody there that's that's gonna maybe point out the flaws. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. In the machine, like it it can it can be really fucked up. There's yeah. no question. Yeah. No question. I mean, you've you've talked in great detail. Uh, it's written been written about you so much about you know this abuse and stuff. But as of today, you are you're sober. I mean, you're at least not on heroin anymore. I'm what, off of heroin. I'm off right of right drugs. I'm like off of uh, smack. I haven't done it since I got uh, off of it. Like you know, but and I did get sober for like three and a half years. Like didn't drink, yeah. didn't smoke weed, nothing. Like was just fucking. Born again yogi, bro. <laughs> fucking just super health nut and stuff. But uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago, I started drinking again, 
it kind of went a little crazy for a little bit. And then um, I kind of pulled it back and was like, now I'm just like, I don't really drink that much. I don't smoke that much pot. I just kind of do my thing, you know? I have a different relationship with it now because I took time away right. from it, you know? And I needed to get off of everything to get off of heroin because that was my main thing. I just, I wanted to get off of heroin. I, I could not do it without, you know, I'd get drunk and be like, well, uh, sure, let's go grab some heroin, you know? Well, so. that's right. Right. <laughs> that's the that's the problem though, right? Is that is that is that people make bad decisions when they're drunk. Oh, yeah, horrible, you know? horrible and, decisions. And, that's, and, and sometimes you don't even realize that you're making, dis- like the decision seems like totally logical at the time, you know? Yeah, and, yeah and, totally. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm really glad to hear that you're that you're doing so well. Um, you know, because it's, I guess it's safe to say the first album, you know, was an album about just being fucked up, a total party album. The second album was a sober album about kind of the, what happens when you do the first album. Yeah. And now you're somewhere in the middle. Is that safe to say? Yeah, like now it's like, you know, I guess when you... You know, the, the only thing that was going on in my life for the first record was uh, the band and drugs. That was the only thing, you know. The second record was like, the only thing that was going on was the band and getting sober. I had to stay sober, you know. That was like my life depended yeah. on it at that time. And yeah. after the second record, we started touring even more, you know. And it was like, that's the thing that they don't fucking tell you, man. It's like, the more... The bigger you get, the more you have to do. I was like, I thought it was opposite, you know? <laughs> like, I thought you get to just chill, you know? It's like, no, no, you actually have to do fucking more now, you know? Um, yeah, it's weird, right? It's totally yeah. true. And then, so we just toured a bunch, you know, for like three years straight, basically. And um, we, I got to like kind of see the world, you know? And uh, like, I saw it like sober, basically, and was like got to experience a lot of crazy things, you know, um, and not just be like struck out or like kicking dope in Paris trying to like score dope, you know? Um, so this record, like this third record, almost free is kind of that the version of like what it's like to be in a band and like see things and write an album about that, you know? Yeah. I've just never done that. Every song has, like, on the first record was about partying and doing drugs, and then most of the songs on the second record was about getting sober. So this one was like writing about certain things in our lives. It's just weird. Mm, totally, totally. And but I mean, it's not. It doesn't have to be a timeline, right? And especially no. the way that it, it's recorded, it wasn't a timeline too. No. So you know, if you're recording it over like a year, then a different points in a year you're feeling different about how things are going where you're at and stuff too you know so i'm sure it's okay to write a song about when you were fucked up there's still going to be memories that you're going to have from that you know what i mean and that's okay totally it doesn't have to be this this snapshot of of 2018 zach right yeah i don't think so i don't think i mean songwriting is a personal journey for everybody you know Absolutely. Uh, was it hard getting clean, being on tour, being the front man of this sort of like fun-loving party band? Like, did you roll into a city where you have friends, but you have friends that are drug friends, and you have to be like, "Oh, uh, I gotta like not call them." Yeah. You know what I mean? Is was there a big was that was there a lot of changeover in your life, like just with your friends and are people you considered your friends? That, that must have been difficult. It was like a full one eighty. Like I. Like, there was, you know, there was no, like, in-between. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, it got to the point where I would just have to, I do the sound check, I go back to the hotel room, catch a fucking Uber to the show, play, and then just have to leave right away because everybody was just partying, you know? So it was like a full, like, you know, it, it was weird because it just, it kind of took the fun out of it, you know, because that was such a like identity thing for me, like partying and being in a band and stuff like that, that, you know, it's like one of those weird, Fiddler is like one of those weird things that like, we could be horrible <laughs> on stage, like we could just be out of tune and just like, 
just horrible. And people, kids would be like, oh, dude, they're fucked up. That's tight, man. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. So it's like this weird fucking thing that like I can throw up on stage and people would like applause, you know? And yeah. I was just like, did not want to be a victim of that, you know? So I had to like, it's almost like I had to play like a character when I was like on stage and then afterwards, you know, like <laughs> this kid, I remember this kid just like came up to me after a show while I was walking out and he's like, Hey, I bought you a, a shot, you know, a shot of whiskey. I was like, Oh no, right. I'm good, man. Thanks so much though, man. Like I'm good though. You know, And he looked at me and said, what's your fucking problem, bro? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, you know what? Man? It's all good. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it was like kind of a identity crisis in a way. And, you know, I, I had to really cut a lot of friends out of my life. Yeah. That's interesting though. I guess you get that side of it too. Cause you know, the cliche thing that every band talks about in every interview is, and I don't want to downplay this cause this is a real thing, but people will come up to you and say, you know, your music saved my life, you know, and it's meaningful and it's true. And I think music really does save lives and all that, you know, that stuff. Um, but when people would tell you that, did that ever help you to make sure you stayed kind of alive to stay with these people that needed you? Uh, interesting. I worded that question really, really. I worded that really strangely, but I, I, I get it though. I get it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because I've been thinking about this, and like somebody did say that to me recently. You know, um, at a coffee shop I was at, and like explained to him, I was like, I am not the example. (laughs) 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 Like I, like I, like I was trying to explain to him it's like i'm not miserable but i'm trying to figure life out too you know what i'm saying like like you should be like looking up towards the rock or something like that <laughs> you should be like that should be your like idol you know like healthy people that are like mentally stable you know um get up at 4 a.m uh, and start lifting weights that's yeah, what you should do like, oh, <laughs> like i'm still like you know having like figuring out how to fall asleep you know um but uh yeah, I feel like I'm when I hear that it does I mean of course that fucking feels great, you know, that's just like I I love being told that it my music helps people. Like that's that's an amazing feeling. Um you know, it's just that sometimes especially with our band, you know, it's especially with our first record cycle, like there was some guilty moments of like kids like being really like too fucked up at our show. And uh, you're just like, fuck, what have we done? <laughs> what yeah. what have we created, you know? No, absolutely. Uh, oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm glad you aren't one of those, like, one album, one and a half album fucking rock stars that ended up ODing. You yeah. You know what I mean? Because it, it did seem like that was possible. Yeah, I mean, that, that was, when we started, that was the kind of joke in the music industry was like, We'll see how long these guys fucking last. You know what I mean? Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, we started as a joke. We started for fun, you know, and it just, it evolved into like our careers. And, um, right. We still make it a point to have fun no matter what, you know, I think that's like kind of been the thing. And maybe that's what's kept us at this like weird level, you know, of like, I don't know, not taking that next step to the bigger thing. It's just like, sometimes we're just like, you know what, man, I'd rather play this 500 cap, 400 cap room than the bigger room, you know? Um, totally. It's just more fun. Well, yeah, but you guys have had an interesting career path, uh, the way it's gone. I mean, you're on a label that's co-owned by Metallica's management, you know? Not anymore. And, and I, not anymore, okay. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they're not, they're not... That, that, They're not a part of it anymore? Yeah, that was like, uh, when we signed with them, that was the thing, that they were like managed, co- co-owned by Q Prime, but then that, like, yep. I, I don't think that happened. Okay, okay. All good, yeah. all good. I, I only said it because it's funny. That's, you know, 
Yeah, uh, just, yeah. To make, just to make my next point, uh, I'm, I apologize for it not being true anymore. Uh, oh, but no you guys have had a lot of opportunities. You know, you guys have had um, late night TV opportunities, and you've been interviewed by some, you know, interesting publications that typically a band that you say like started off just for fun as a joke. You know, it's kind of crazy the amount of eyes you've had on you from sort of unexpected sources. Yeah, I don't know what their problem is. <laughs> but seriously, is that, surprising? Is, that su- is that surprising for you, though? I mean, 100% that's surprising to me. The, the style of music you play, like, I love your band. But Thanks, the fact bro. that you're so popular and that and that it seems to resonate with so many people is surprising to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Blows all of our minds every single day. Like it's literally like we like yeah. When they were like, "Oh, Conan and Jimmy uh, Kimmel wants to you to play or whatever," I like the first thing I said is like, "Why?" <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I, I don't understand. You know. Um, uh, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, somehow it, I don't know. Who knows? You know, it might be, it yeah. might be like the Booker's kids. You know, that's how we got the Pixies tour. We got oh, a really? Pixies tour because the manager's son, <laughs> this, the manager was like asking his son, he's like, who do you think the Pixies should tour with? He's like, oh, you got to get Fiddler. <laughs> wow. Well, hey, yeah. what, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely great. Um, it's it is interesting um, to switch gears a little bit here, but you know the fact that you come from a studio background, and it totally makes sense when we talked earlier about you know you discovering the computer as a songwriting tool, you know, and you talk about sonar and all these like early programs, Fruity Loops that you were writing music on. But so you must have left Hawaii to go to like some kind of recording school in. The mainland is—is is that what happened? Well, or, I left Hawaii I, and started interning at a recording studio. I—I I, I couldn't—I okay. couldn't get into any of the uh, recording schools because I mean, well, you don't need like a high school diploma or anything like that. But I didn't finish school. I didn't—I didn't do any of that stuff. So um, I just kind of figured, like, well, if I intern, you know, maybe I can jelly my way in there. So that's what I yeah. did. Yeah, it's—it's it's cool. It just—it seems like. You know, when I listen to your band and and the, the songs that you write and stuff, you wouldn't be a big technical guy. You know, you, you, it seems like your personality. What'd you say? I know people. Yeah, people yeah, people know? like like my friend has a recording studio in Arizona, and he says that he has clients come, like kids come to his studio and be like, "We want to sound like the first Fiddler record." And so he called me up and he was like, how'd you do that? You know, I was like, oh, that shit's so edited. That's just like Pro Tools on the grid, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like just fucking perfectly edited, you know? And he was just like, yeah, these kids just think that you guys went into like a studio and got drunk and hit record on a tape machine. I was like, yeah, that's the crazy thing. <laughs> like That is yeah. not what happened. That is like, that record was fucking, that was like my first record to make. So that I was like, obsessed with making it just right you know yeah but just right isn't perfect that's such an interesting thing that that right like having the perfect guitar tone is it the perfect guitar tone i know right and at that time it's like we were such limited to the amount of gear we had you know what i mean because that was just starting so it's like we just had a 57 you know and it's just like okay that's what that's going to be the guitar tone for everything you know so yeah yeah it's just like we made with what the best as we can do, but the real shit was like in Pro Tools. There's so much weird little edit shit, like little studio tricks in on that record that people don't really pay attention to, and they're all pop stuff, you know. Because I I'm like obsessed with pop music, and um, it's all like, like these little weird studio tricks that I've learned over the years. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy that you can use those tools to to make garage punk records. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's really really interesting. Yeah, uh, and and you produce other bands too. I had Cole from Swimmers on the show before. And oh yeah, I haven't. It was a while ago, and so I'm kind of paraphrasing, kind of what he said. But he, I, what I took from it is that 
he pretty much said you're crazy and yeah, that that sounds about right <laughs> but that makes you impossible to work with but also the only person to work with if that makes any sense at all yeah you know, he said he'd come in some okay. days and like you know but you guys made a great record together yeah i mean that was like i was so zeroed in on that record that that record took a while that that took like at least six months to make or something you know wow that's it was crazy. it was a very different process, you know, like um, them being who they are, you know, and their families, like they had a really sick recording studio at our disposal. And um, we we're just like, all right, let's fucking make this record. And it was interesting because uh, like a lot of those songs was just like Cole with a acoustic guitar and vocal. So it was like, okay, we have a chorus. Let's try to make the rest of the song. How is this going to work? Like, what what are we gonna? What kind of drumming are we gonna do here? What kind of vibe are we going with? What, what what's the what's the theme? You know what I mean? So it was kind of like a very like it was it was actually the best the funnest way I have making a record because it's a very creative process instead of like, all right, let's record, hit record, and get a take. You know? Right. Right. Right, so yeah. you got to build. You kind of got to build those songs in the way that you wanted them to. to yeah, get, it was just super get, fun. Capture, it was very to capture the essence of the song, which is, yeah, which some sometimes in a band that doesn't seem to be how it works, right? It's almost backwards because yeah. somebody inevitably like it's like a, a song starts with like a riff and then a drum beat over a riff and then the vocals and the lyrics are like an afterthought when you've already put down the vibe of the song. Like that's traditional rock band 101 right yeah yeah and that's not that's not the way to do it yeah i was just always been like uh if you could mute instruments and just hear the vocal and you could kind of get the song from the vocal i'm like that's that's all i need you know what i mean you could just put like a low 808 on it and be like oh this is sick you know yeah well some shit on the radio is basically that these days exactly With exactly. just some loop behind it, maybe they, they decided to put on. It's true. Um, yeah. Is it true? Is it true that you still basically live out of a suitcase? Yeah. Or have you settled down I, a little bit? I've uh, um, haven't been able to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just kind of the the that you know actually that is my 2019 New Year's resolution is to try to figure that out. So where are you speaking to me from right now? Um, I got this awesome, my, my friend owns this house and, um, he rents me a room, but like only when I'm in town. So okay. I just like have my suitcase, open it up. All right, cool. I'm in LA for a little bit, you know, until the next tour. Awesome. I mean, I did it for a year myself too, before I could yeah. figure out my shit. And, um, it, it, I think it teaches you a lot about, you know, yourself and what, where you want to be you know totally i i think so i'm like i'm hitting the wall you know i'm just like i i i've been in and out of recordings like i've because that's the main thing for me it's like i don't care where i live as long as i have a place to make noise and be loud you know what i mean like i could be loud at any time of the day um so i had like a recording studio i've been in and out of a bunch of them and making them and then having to tear it down and then making another one and Recently, I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to go full laptop. That's it. I'm just, just going to do it. I'm going to fucking <laughs> go to the dark side, man. Just plugins and laptops. That's it. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it seems like if anyone can do it, you can. Yeah, hopefully. I hope. So. <laughs> Dude, well, thank you, man. So uh, the new record is out this Friday. So when people hear this, it will be out. It's called Almost Free. Um, what else can you tell the people about the record? Uh, Any, produced, anything interesting? Yeah, produced by uh, uh, Ricky Reed. He's uh, the amazing producer. You know, um, more in the pop world he is, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's like one of the most like I've never worked with somebody the way he thinks, which is like makes sense why he's so popular in the pop world is because he is the most interesting producer I've ever and the like coolest dude. So yeah, it's, it's, nice. it's a lot of like, he's like a very big collaborator on this record is, it was like, try, it's kind of like finding our, 
you know, fifth member almost. Um, yeah. So, well, yeah. I can see it be hard, hard for you, uh, finding a producer that you really, you know, gel with just because you're a producer yourself. Like, you know, all the tricks you, you know, you've made records on your own. Um, yeah. you know what I mean? So did, did you find yourself engineering a lot of the stuff, pushing some of the buttons, kind of being like, Hey, like maybe use this plug in here or whatever. Like was there right. some micromanaging going on that is kind of just inevitable based on your background? Yeah, that's what he calls it backseat producing. Like fucking yeah. backseat producer over here. Um, but uh, you know, a lot of this stuff was like because he works in Pro Tools. I worked in Pro Tools. Um, we were able to just use the sessions. Yeah, and that's the that's like you know with every record or the past two records this record and the last one we had producers and i always try to learn from the producers i mean it's such like a unique opportunity i have such a unique opportunity to work with producers that i like and respect and i can learn from them and the one thing i learned from him was like there's no such thing as demos anymore right you know like it's just like we're in an era of like technology has caught up to it's to the point where any idea you have, you can make happen no matter what. Like you have a whole like symphony on your computer, you know, on your laptop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so it's like very like I was really inspired by that, and was just like okay. So we started just trading Pro Tool sessions, um, you know. And me and Elvis, he uses Logic, so we're like yeah. trading stems and stuff like that. So this this like record is like. <laughs> fucking four DAWs in one record, you know? <laughs> totally. But, uh, very cool, very cool. And are you guys hitting the road this year? Could people expect to be able to see uh, a mostly sober Fiddler uh, rolling through town? Yeah, I think uh, um, we're going to be hitting the road, but I think like the we're trying to figure out how to not take three years to make a record. And I feel like most of our time is spent touring that if we cut down our touring to a half, we'll be able to put out more music, you know? Okay. So that's kind of like where I'm trying to figure out how to adapt to this new era, you know, but you guys, like, yeah. Canadians, like you guys fucking like rock out, man. Like you guys like still love rock and roll and like you guys fucking kill it up there. Over here in the states, it's it's rock and roll is slowly dying. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm aware. <laughs> I'm aware of it. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think Canada is just like we're maybe just a couple years behind on some of the right. some of the trends. So it's dying up here too. Um, right. <laughs> maybe. Maybe it, I'm sure there's probably some pretty sick classic rock bars here in Edmonton. I there can uh, check out. You know, um, but. No, it's 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 a weird time, man, in music, and and I don't really want to ask you the uh, the cliche question of what is what do you think is going to happen to the music industry, but what, where do you think things are going? Like, I mean, you're still putting out albums, you know, you're not you're not putting yeah. out just singles anymore. You're still doing that the traditional way. Someone can order a vinyl from you. You know what I mean? Like, you're still doing it that way. Is that is that the plan from here on out, or could there be some some switch? I, I, you know, to be honest, I don't know. I think there is like, you know, a, a, I do love a record, you know, like a full, full album. I, I yeah. there's something about it that I love. Um, but you know, there is some truth to the single thing. You know, yeah. I think it's all evolving. I think, I think, uh, like rock music is evolving. I think. You know, some some of the most punk rock shit right now is the SoundCloud shit. Like honestly, that's the most DIY shit that you can make. You know, <laughs> no, it's, totally, it totally is. So like, I feel like I don't know. Sometimes I feel like rock and roll has such like a, a ceiling to it, and they like we limit ourselves that we have to just start thinking in different ways and adapting to things. You know, and if that's not what people want to do, then that's totally fine. They don't have to do that. You know, but I'm kind of on that train a thought of like all right how do we like how do we grow how or how do we challenge ourselves you know what i mean like because i don't want to keep making the same shit over and over again no no and you don't and that's a great thing about your band and i'm really looking forward to hearing this whole record on friday and uh i guess 
we should leave the people with a tune. Uh, what song from the new record do you want everybody to hear? Uh, oh, this is coming out. For, okay, Friday. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be out. It'll be out. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's a song called Thought Mouth, and uh, I wrote it in Canada. Oh, okay. Perfect. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, here it is. Elite Singer Syndrome. Thanks a lot, Zach. Awesome. Thanks, man. Bunch of trustees living on the beach. I'm gonna just call her up, ask her, hey, what's up? I just wanna let you know that you've been stuck in my head. It makes me feel upside down and inside out. And I swear to God, I'm freaking out. Cause I'm all about the thought mouth. No, I'm, I'm not high maintenance. But if I left you a message, would you call me back? If I sent you a text, would you respond to it? If I say that I love you, would you say it back? How would you react? Just say it back. Say it back. Even if you can't. So there's with Zach. What a guy, what a story. And, you know, one thing is this guy grew up in Hawaii. You don't get more remote, you know, more far away from the things, from rock music, from any kind of scene than where he grew up. And this guy made it. And this guy did some amazing things and continues to do some amazing things. So if you are stuck in some small town, some rural environment, you know, there's not much going on in your town and you're an aspiring musician, don't let that discourage you because Zach made it, you can make it, you can do it. I always say, people say to me, oh my God, like I love you, you're so amazing and I'm an aspiring singer and I always say, look, I'm not special. If I can do it, you can do it. And that is the mantra you need to have. So, 
Yes. Take this as inspiration. What a guy and what a great new album. Next week, we are going to be back with another great episode. We're switching gears a little bit, but I will be talking to a guy that has sold millions of albums, uh, has done multiple very cool projects, and it's one you're definitely going to want to tune into. So make sure you hit that subscribe button, okay? And if you want to get in touch, I am always here. My email address is leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. If you're not so happy with this episode, yeah, maybe I had one or two before this intro and outro. It's okay. You know, you can talk shit on me. 657-666-H-A-T-E. That is the hate line. Give it a ring. Talk some shit. We will be rolling out clips. But hey, I really do appreciate you listening to this thing. All right. Well, hey, uh, It's not February yet, so I'm going to say Happy New Year one more time. I love you all. I'll see you next week. Peace and love. Take care.